Hey everyone, husband here. And I'm wife. If you've been listening to us, then you know we're all about reading the Bible and reacting to it on our first read-through. Cuss words, crying, laughing, and more. We're passionate about creating a podcast that takes the sanctity out of the sacred text and simply stating it as we see it. But we can't do it without your help. We're asking for your support to help us keep this podcast going. There are two ways you can donate. Text SACDIS, that's S-A-C-D-I-S, to 53. 555 if you're in the U.S. with a one-time donation. Any amount helps. Or if you'd rather start a sustaining membership, sign up on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. Membership levels start as low as $2 a month. We are amazed and grateful for our fans that support us now, and you can become one too. With your support, we can keep sacrilegious discourse alive and well for years to come. So please donate today. Text SACDIS to 53555 if you're in the U.S. Or sign up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Sacrilegious Discourse. I'm husband. And I'm wife. Together we're reading the Bible for the very first time. We grew up without religion and wanted to know what all the fuss was about. Well, what have we learned so far? That God is a dick, and apparently some people believe in talking donkeys? We're not trying to pass ourselves off as experts. Nope, we're just reading the Bible for the first time and giving our first take reaction. If you'd like to join us in this venture, you might consider starting at episode one. Otherwise, jump in wherever you like. Alright, let's go read the Bible. Yeah, let's get to it. Hey wife, did you know that Anchor is sponsoring our show? Really? Don't we use Anchor to distribute our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts? Yeah, and we are on just about every other platform available as well, thanks to them. Why do we use Anchor as our podcasting service? Well, they make editing and distributing our show a breeze. What if one of our listeners wants to start their own podcast? Then they should head over to Anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Awesome! You guys should go do that right now! Husband! Wife! 
do you know what this episode is? I know what we're doing, but you gotta say it. I gotta say it. It's the Sacrilegious Book Club. There we go. Yeah. All right. And uh, what uh, pages are we going over today? We are finishing up um, Asimov's Guide to the Bible, the Book of Exodus. We're finishing up the Book of Exodus, and that's pages... Um, the last section that I'm covering is pages 142 through 153. But we're not finished up sec- or Asimov's Guide to the Bible, just the book just of Exodus. Just the book of Exodus. Within that book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted Sorry. to clarify that. Sorry. All right. Um, so we're ready to do this? We're ready to do this. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, wife, do you like coffee in the morning? I sure do, husband. Morning, noon, night. Which reminds me, I need to add that to our grocery list because we're running low. Wait, before you do that, check out the website ungodlybrew.com where you can purchase a pound of your favorite flavor of coffee. What if I want more than one pound? Either order a larger amount or better yet, get 10% off by setting up a subscription for every two weeks or a month or whatever works for you. Did you set up something special for our listeners? You know I did. Exclusive for our listeners, get an additional 10% off subscriptions by entering the code SACRILEGIOUSCOFFEE at checkout. That's a hellishly good deal. Ungodly Brew is hellishly good coffee. Okay, so where we finished up last time, if you will recall, was the Pharaoh of the Exodus yeah. had let Moses and his people go. Right, right, right. Okay. okay. But guess what? Um, the Pharaoh was like, JK, 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 get back over here. That happened multiple times. I know, I know. And he sent people to chase him. Moses right. and crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was like, come here. Right. So they caught up with Moses and crew at... Um, what I am referring to as PH, because that's the name of this section, by the way, Pi Haharoth. Pi Haharoth. And that's really hard to say. So I'm just calling it PH. Okay. okay? And this section started on page 142, FYI. Got it. Okay. So um, the crew or the people that um, Pharaoh sent, they caught up with Moses at PH. Okay. Got it. And that is located near a northwestern branch of the Red Sea. Which okay. is called the Gulf of Suez. Got it. But not as the Gulf of Suez appears today. Okay. okay. Sure. The Gulf used to extend farther northward and, quote, included two shallow bodies of brackish water called the Bitter Lakes. That are no longer there, apparently. Right. They no longer p- appear on maps today because they were filled in when the Suez Canal was built. Oh, interesting. Even more interesting... This area was a literal sea of reeds, which, coincidentally enough, is what the Hebrew name for the Red Sea actually translates to. So that's kind of sad. They, When they built the Suez Canal, they kind of killed some history and geography, mm-hmm. and yep. that's kind of sad, yep. actually. It is, isn't hmm. it? Yeah. I just found it funny that um, that translation from the Red Sea to the Sea of Reeds, because I don't know if you recall, but last time... He was saying, we have no idea why it's called the Red Sea. Right. But this is another of the suggestions as to what it could have been. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And this one makes actual sense. <laughs> so that's that section. Next section is Omer, which is a, a measurement. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that starts on page 143. And I'm just going to quote, I'm quoting Asimov extensively in this section because he just had a lot of great things to say. Okay. That I could not summarize any better than the way he said it. Got it. Okay. So this quote is, 
the tale of the manna is from the P document. Do you remember us talking about the yes. P document versus, I think, the E document or whatever? Right, right. Okay. And it depended on, on period of time, which um, priest wrote that section or edited that part or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the tale of the manna is from the P document, as can be seen from the careful instructions given for the gathering of the manna and the warnings to observe the Sabbath. Okay. They were very, very clear, right? Right. This form of ritualism and meticulousness is characteristic of P. Got it. (laughs) The P document, the P writers. Yeah, yeah. It is therefore a late elaboration of some early legend, and there is no point in taking it literally. End Got it. quote. Okay. okay. I yeah. just thought that was interesting. He's like, so the man is cool, but like, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> Never happened. Blow it right, off. Right, right. Yeah. No, definitely. So the pre-exile, okay, now we're getting into um, what is an omer. Sure. But before we do that, it yeah. does make like the mana kind of disappeared after a certain amount of time mm-hmm. as far as mm-hmm. references to it or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, it like never gets re- referred to as an item that appears in the ark. Right. And the ark doesn't go away quite yeah. right away. So, yeah. like, you know, it's still there, but the mana is just. I mean, we've been know. asking, where's the mana? They keep saying that it's empty, but where's the fucking mana? Where right. did the mana go? Right. Well, it never was there in the first place. Right. So right. there's that. Yeah. Okay. So now we're getting into the. Omer, which okay. I said at the beginning is a form of measurement. Yeah. Okay. Pre-exile Israelites used Egyptian systems of measure, while those of post-exile times used Babylonian systems. Okay. And so it made it it makes it really hard today to try to decipher what they were talking about. Yeah. What equals what given today. Got it. As best as we can make it clear, each person received an Omer of manna. Which today we think, tra- through translations, is right. probably about four liters okay. of shit that never happened. Right. right. <laughs> so they received four liters of nothing. Okay? <laughs> Here, here's four liters of my imagination. Yes. There you go. Exactly. Right, yeah. Okay, so the next section is Amalek. Okay. With the Amalekites, and that is on page 144. Got it. Okay, another quote. The Israelites maintained a strong tradition of continuing an undying enmity with the Amalekites. Okay. Them guys hated each other, but the Israelites hated them hard. Right. Okay. And Asimov suggests that it was probably because they were the first ones to make war upon the Israelites and were temporarily deemed the most powerful nation of the region. Got it. And later in Deuteronomy, Moses also claims that they fought dirty. Got it. So they were the what first. I, and I never understood that. Like, what is fighting dirty in war? Like, you, you're you're there to win, right? Right. So what and is like, dirty? And, like, the consequence is death, right? Right. So but, what exactly is dirty? Well, there's fighting with or without honor. Like, um, we have a lot of war crimes that we would consider true. you cannot do that. That's true. Right? Um, there's unnecessary acts you can take. And um, the Israelites were under the impression that this is the way we're conducting this war. And if you do acts outside of that, then that's dishonorable. Right. That's okay. not correct. You're fair. doing it wrong. No, that's fair. That's fair. So, I mean, to that's, that's merely what the Israelites were saying. But for all we know, 
um, the Amalekites had their own form of honor, and to them, maybe they weren't fighting dirty. Right. So right. we don't know what. Yeah, their maybe code they of thought the was. Israelites were fighting dirty. So. Or maybe they thought thought that the Israelites didn't know how to fight at all. Right. So I I don't know. I can't answer that. But. I mean, I suppose if you're losing to somebody, you're going to say they're fighting dirty. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with um, they were they were um, take, taking the stragglers. They were like picking up the stragglers. The Amalekites were, yeah. And um, the Israelites were like, "What? You're not supposed to kill the weak that we leave behind." Well, wait. That's exactly <laughs> that's like what, they had some things where they did the exact same thing. But then the question begs: Did the Israelites eventually learn this from people like the Amalekites? Sure. So, but okay, but that still makes them just as shitty for adopting those become, same things. They become shitty, right? But Maybe they didn't start out shitty. Okay. Who All can right. fucking know? I don't sure. know. I'm just putting that out there. Right. Okay? Um, there's no mention or record of the Amalekites outside the Bible, FYI. Oh, interesting. So probably okay. never even existed in the first place. Right. Dirty they just, they or had a, They had to come up with a big bad. A big bad, exactly. Right. Okay. Though the Amalekites won that first battle decisively and war between the two yeah. um, continued for. Ever after, like two centuries later, right. they were finally defeated under Saul, which wiped out their power completely. I remember them saying that, actually, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's funny that we Because we kept joking because they always said, we're wiped... They're like, they, they wiped out the Amalekites, like... Like three or four times Right, and they're like, completely, and we're like, wait, but then you're, well, you're mentioning them again, so that right. wasn't completely... Right, right. <laughs> so... Um, it kind of begs the question, like, what is your definition of completely versus ours? Because I guess if they are imaginary, it's easy to wipe out an imaginary enemy multiple more than times. Once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like the mana; they keep not a being there. Right, and they're like somebody's writing. They're like, wait, we need somebody to fight us, and they're like, oh, oh let's, let's bring, bring back the Amalekites. Bring back the big bad. Right. So moving on to the next section, we're going to talk about Joshua, and okay. that starts on page one forty-six. Yeah. So. Do you remember who Joshua was? Yeah. He yeah, was he was Moses's um acolyte. Right, acolyte. Yeah. And uh he went up the mountain somewhat with, with Moses on mm-hmm. Mount Sinai and and all that shit and he yeah. brought brought down the wall and in uh Jericho <laughs> yeah. hypothetically yeah, he did and that all thing. that wonderful crap. Yeah. So he was a new military leader who led the first battle against the Amalekites. Gotcha. So that's part of why his name got so big. Okay. He fought real good against Nobody. Right, right. <laughs> um, his name was originally O'Shea, O-S-H-E-A, or Hoshea, which means salvation. Got it. Moses changed it to a name more in line with Yahvism, which is Yahweh, Yahweh. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so he changed it to Jehoshua okay. instead of Hoshua, Jehoshua, right. which shortens to Joshua, but means Yahweh is salvation instead of just salvation. Ah, okay? okay. And another shortening of that name, follow me here, is Yeshua instead of Joshua, Jeshua. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when the Greeks get a hold of it, they don't have an SH sound. Do you remember us right. talking about this I, before? I vaguely remember that, yeah. And they also end in S to the end of their names. Okay. So if you have a Jeshua and you take out that. SH and change it to an S and then you add an S to the end. Jesus, that's a lot of You get Jesus. I'll just oh, skip it. Wow. Yeah. And in the New Testament, the King James version refers to Joshua as Jesus 
twice. Really? Yeah. That's really interesting. Right? Yeah, I about shit my pants when I read that. It's also interesting concerning, like, so right now in the Bible where we're reading our regular Mm -hmm. podcast, Mm -hmm. we're going over Elijah. Mm -hmm. And Elijah has some, like, connections with the Jesus story somewhat. As far as, like, he's, he's... He's like just below Jesus type thing. So, uh-huh. and, and that's, the, and we, I think we had talked about Joshua's connections with Jesus in the past too, but I'd never heard it quite that strongly. Right. Yeah. So that, that's really, really interesting. put it together there. Yeah. Um, so jo- Jesus's name is actually the Greek form of Joshua. Huh. But there's no going back now. Like you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Right. Right. So we stuck with the Greek translation of that. Sure. So. Sure. Honestly, Jesus' name is Joshua. Interesting. Not Jesus. That's really interesting. Right? Yeah. And so I I wrote my little note at the end, womp, womp. Because <laughs> <laughs> that about covers that, right? Right, yeah. Um. So the next section is cherubim. The okay. Cherub, you remember what the cherubim are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The angels or what the fuck ever, the winged somethings. The ones they made on the ark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So this section starts on page 147. Okay. And Asimov says it is not really certain what the cherubim might be. Because there's not a really good um, definition of them beyond the um, wingspan. Right. Which was pretty big from what I remember. Yes. So. Readers are expected to understand what is meant by the word. Because they're just like, you know, the cherubim. Got it. You know, and this is how big the cherubim's wings were. Which is funny to me because anytime you see any um, cherubim depicted in um, modern day things, Mm -hmm. it's always tiny wings. Yes. So it's very, because I think it's too close to angel, right? Like we have definitions for angel and cherubim. And in our eyes, cherubim is this thing And today. Today. Today we do that. Right. when we were trying to figure out early on what it was, we didn't know, are cherubim human figures with wings? Are they Cupid-like beings? Are they monstrous winged guardians? Right. We don't know, right? But um, Asimov suggests consider the sphinx, right? The head of a woman, wings of an eagle, and body of a lion. Okay. Right? And so that's an amalgamation of all different kinds of creatures. Right. And so he suggests that that's what the cherubim actually were and that later on in the book of Ezekiel Mm -hmm. cherubim are composites of various creatures who have four faces one of a man one of a lion one of an ox and one of an eagle that's kind of creepy with four wings and feet of a calf and and yeah it's all that's a lot creepier than what we've decided cherubim are (laughs) right exactly exactly but um, Ezekiel comes, like, later on sure. towards the book of Revelation, I think. Oh, okay. All right. If I'm not mistaken. I could be totally mistaken. But he's giving a prophecy, I believe. Okay. When he's describing this creature. Got it. So, um, he he's... Ezekiel is describing something as a guardian. So, I think Asimov is saying, I think that... These cherubim are actually this creature that Ezekiel was describing. Gotcha. And that it's an amalgamation of various animals put together, which would not have been unusual for that time. Right, right. And and he gave other examples of that as well, but I thought the Sphinx pretty much 
was the best example because we're all familiar with that. Yeah, and I, I suppose for the Israelites coming out of Egypt, there were to be a lot of like associations with different animals mm-hmm. because of where they were coming from and exactly. the things that were done in that culture. So keep that thought in mind that they had a lot of associations um, with animals regarding um, deities. Hold on to that thought. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll come back to that in a minute. But moving on to the next section, we've got the Thurum and the, or I'm sorry, the oh, Urim yeah. and the Thummim. R- right. On page 149. We made a lot of fun of those. We did. And I don't know if you recall, but the Urim is, um, translates to the word lights and Thummim is perfections. Okay. And I wrote, so WTF. <laughs> right, right. But... Um, I, I think we decided at the time, and Asimov also agrees, that it's most likely a process for drawing lots, okay. like throwing the bones or reading That's tarot right. cards yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Right. But who could know? Right. right? I mean, right. honestly, whatever. Yeah. But he didn't give a lot of uh, comment to that. So. Right. Um, so the next section is the molten calf. And this is the final section of um, the Exodus. Okay. Yep. And this is on page 151. So I'm going to read a bit of a quote here that's a couple sentences long. Okay. okay? Moses' stay on Mount Sinai continued for so long that the Israelites back in the camp began to fear that he might never return. (laughs) This encouraged those among them who felt uncomfortable with an invisible God. It is very common to desire some visible manifestation of the deity nowadays as well as in ancient times, and the pressure increased on Aaron to supply one. Right. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm going to read something else um, from a few paragraphs later in his book. He says, the choice of image, which is a a molten calf that Aaron created, is not as surprising as it might sound to modern ears, which he's going to go on and describe that for a minute. But I just want to put out there for the record that when we were reading this, I was like, how random, what an odd, random animal to pick. Right. Like, we could pick chickens, we could pick lizards, but no, let's pick a cow. Like, why? Right. Well, he actually talks about this. Here, but I just wanted to put out there that I did, I I did have the same like, huh? That's weird that he's talking about. Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So I I don't want to sound smarter than I actually am. No, yeah, yeah. I'm the dummy that he's talking about. <laughs> so it's not as surprising as it might sound to modern ears that he picked a calf. Okay. okay. Primitive man did not differentiate as carefully between men and animals as we do. Hmm. Okay. Then he gives some examples of what he means. Um, They believe some animals might be equal or even superior to humans. Interesting. Some believed in reincarnation where you would be reborn into an animal. Right. And some believed in honoring and revering animals that served as a source of food. Right. Well, I mean, some of this still happens in some cultures. Like in India. Right. For example. Yeah. He talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, to people who depend on cattle for meat, milk, and labor, the bull is bound to be considered an important figure. Right. So um, then he goes on to say, the transition from an invisible presence resting between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant to the cherubim themselves could be an easy one. It might not even represent a full retreat from Yahvism, meaning the worship of Yahweh, since the golden figure might be taken for Yahweh made manifest. 
So the people were not entirely cuckoo beans when they were like, Aaron, do something. And Aaron's like, I don't fucking know. Okay, you know, we've got these cherubim here and there's a calf missing. And so I'm going to make a golden calf. Well, to be fair, they don't have the golden cherubim yet. They haven't made the ark yet. No, that's true. That's true. I'm just saying. That is true. But at any rate, he is like, we're going to we're going to do this. Right. And it's not entirely crazy that like he didn't pull it out of his ass like I thought he did. Right. When this came back in First Kings where we're at. They, um, they... I was just going to say that's the very next sentence that I wrote here <laughs> is it explains why when Israel and Judah split Jeroboam of the tribe of Ephraim, one of the Joseph tribes, which would have carried these stories of the bulls and stuff yeah, down. Yeah. He turned Jerusalem toward the bull and away from um, Yahweh the way that it was right. supposed to be because he was trying to differentiate his kingdom from the other one. Got it. So but it's maybe not as far of a differentiation as we right. think of it as today. Right. Exactly. It was a different way of worshiping probably the same God. Got it. Got it. So not as evil as it sounds. Right. No, I get which it. Which is interesting because but we're it's, like... But it's all in the matter of who wrote the book mm-hmm. to decide what, how evil it was or how and much it mattered. they lost, so... Right. They're clearly the bad guys. Yeah. Right? Right. So that is so interesting because we were specifically saying, oh, these people never learn. They're so stupid. Why did they go back to this? Well, right. they may not have seen it as a win or lose thing. They may have seen it as... This is just another way to worship Yahweh. Right. Yep. So that is the end of the book of Exodus from Asimov's Guide to the Bible. Okay. And next week we will be starting the book of Leviticus, which is a mere 10 pages. Good. At Asimov's um, covering of that is... Because as I recall, Leviticus was pretty fucking boring. Yeah. So it's um, pages 154 through page 164. Okay. And the topics are Leviticus, Leaven, Unclean, The Day of Atonement, Azazel, Devils, Blood, Familiar Spirits, Molech, and Jubilee. Well, that sounds a lot like he skipped the boring bits. Yeah, that sounds so, like really you know. super interesting. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I mean, I'm, there was, I'm not saying there wasn't some fun stuff in Leviticus, but man. You had to dig for it. Whew, and I'm glad he shit. did the work for us. Right, yeah. I'm still very much enjoying this book. Um, when he gets out of geography land, yeah, um, it's much more enjoyable because I, I'm not familiar enough with the area to be able to... To have that be as useful to me as it might be. Well, it's really hard to convey on a podcast, too. Like, right. You can't just, like, talk about geography. You can, but, like, you're assuming that everybody knows what that means when you say something. So Right, right. That makes it hard. It does make it hard. But just in, insofar as the readability of this book, I haven't commented on that in a while. Right. And so I just wanted to say that um, I'm really enjoying it. I hope that if you guys haven't picked up a copy of this book yet, that... Um, you do add it to your TBR because it's a really, really good, solid read. Right. And very informational, um, very user, reader approachable. Like, it's not above my head. And I'm kind of a dum-dum. So <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I don't read scholastic material because a lot of the studies and stuff are over my head. This is not. This is within my reach. Right. So right. it's written for the layperson who's not familiar with a, a lot of 
history. Right. I which, gotcha. Which he stated from the beginning was his plan. And he, I'm happy to tell you, is sticking to that. Well, that's great. Yep. I'm glad to hear it. All right. Well, that was, um, sac- uh, hold on. That Sacrilegious was- Book Club. Yeah, that. Is that what you're trying that's to say? That's what I was getting at, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, for today. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have our weekly replay re- going out today. And then we'll be back tomorrow with... Um, First Kings chapter 20, and then Tuesday will be 21, and uh, that is it. I thought it was 21 and 22. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Okay. 21 and 22. (laughs) Sorry. Like, I had it in my head. There's only two more chapters, and it's in the 20s, and so I just grabbed 20. But no, it's 21 and 22 on Monday or Tuesday. Right, right, right. And just in case anybody out there is only listening to our Sacrilegious Book Club, I um, just want to mention to everybody here that uh, we will be at the Kentucky Free Thought Convention on September 3rd, and we would love to see you all there. If you go now and get tickets on their website, just do a search for Kentucky Free Thought Convention. They are $10 online, and they'll be $15 at the door. We will have free coffee packets for anybody that comes by our table and told us that you heard about that on our podcast and so you'll want to look for ungodly brew ungodly brew yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and sacrilegious discourse we'll same we'll, table same table we'll be table. representing both yep but the coffee is from ungodly brew that's right and uh hopefully we'll see you all there if not we'll see you definitely tomorrow for the next chapter yep all right see you guys bye hey wife I guess that's the end. But husband, that's just sad. It doesn't have to be. We are on lots of social media platforms like Twitter. Our handle there is sacrilegious underscore D. For D's nuts. Oh my God. Stop doing that. Anyway, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. There's a link to all of our social media sites at our website. Ooh, we have a website? Yeah, it's sacrilegiousdiscourse.com, where you can also find a link to our merch shop. We have a merch shop? Yep. We have podcast-themed clothing, mugs, notebooks, and more, as well as an atheist and science-themed products. Wow, our fans should really go check that out right now. Definitely. They can get in touch with us by sending an email to sacrilegiousdiscourse at gmail.com. But before they do that, we could really use some help. Oh, yeah? With what? Well, it's not free running the podcast, and we need some financial support in order to get better equipment, which will free up time so we can concentrate on our podcast and our fans. Okay, so what should they do? Head over to patreon.com forward slash sacrilegious discourse and sign up as a contributor on our podcast. Supporters there receive additional bi-weekly episodes that we record just for our Patreon members for as little as $2 a month. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. And Apple Podcast Reviews help us out tremendously. Like and subscribe. Leave an Apple review. Join us on Twitter. Support us on Patreon. That's a lot of instructions. Don't forget to say thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye. 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.